everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast Network. Craig Schaub here with George Thomas from the Akron Beacon Journal. If George is here, that means we're talking movies in this week. So happens to be a pretty big one. We are talking Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness. George, tell us, is this another Marvel hit? It's probably going to make a boatload of money, but is it a good Marvel boatload of money maker? It's a messy good boatload Marvel oh. money maker. <laughs> I, here it is. If you're dealing with a multiverse, yeah. and, and, and I don't know if how many people out there are, are familiar with it, considering the number of people who saw, saw Spider-Man, a lot of you have to be familiar with it. Right. But if you're dealing with, with the multiverse, you're just asking for a huge narrative mess. It's all a matter of how the mess is handled. And thankfully, we have Sam Raimi, who's returning to feature film, link, feature film directing after, I have it as more than a decade to be safe, but I'm hearing, I re, I'm reading it's about 15 years. So Sam Raimi's directing this one. Uh, bottom line, uh, Dr. Strange, who's become the de facto mentor <laughs> now for for Marvel teen superhero wannabes. Okay. <laughs> a la Peter Parker. And this one, America Chavez, who is a character who has the ability to traverse the multiverse. And she stumbles in our world. I don't know if it's our world. She stumbles into the MCU. Let's try that. Being pursued by bug-eyed monsters mm -hmm. who want to basically... They're, 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 lack of a better term, they're vampires. One is a vampire that just wants to take her powers. And she and Doctor Strange have to traverse the multiverse in order to find this magical book that will allow them to prevent all this from happening. That's it in a nutshell. It's more convoluted and more surprising than that, in that uh, there are a couple things you don't see coming. Okay. Especially with respect to who the villain is. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it. It just, it made me gasp when, when I discovered who the villain was. And it's a good time. And if you're, it's a good time. And if you're wondering, have you had, do you have to have had, any experience with with prior properties, Marvel properties? This is where they're tying this new phase together, and re referring back to the television series. I'm sure you're going to see that with Sam Wilson's Captain America. Right. That makes sense, and it happens here. It helps that if you that that you've viewed WandaVision. And, and and a couple other things on Disney Plus. How's that for synergy and wanting to print a book? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that part of the problem, I mean, not to say it was a problem, but do you think that maybe part of the mess, not just being involved with a multiverse, but, you know, there was pretty extensive reshoots and, and maybe some rewrites that went on to sort of bring this film together into this into this final product does it feel like it's a mess maybe because 
it maybe didn't have a clearer vision or is it, you know, did, did it appear to you that this was heavily reshot or rewritten to some degree? Actually, no, it, it flows remarkably well. Um, the mess comes in trying to keep up with every plot point. And I, I'm far from perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure I missed some plot holes here and there, Simp but I was having a good time. And, and and I was into the movie. And it helps that the narrative plays to Sam Raimi's, and if we're being honest, before he was anything else, Sam Raimi was a horror director. Right. It plays to those sensibilities. It's 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 like a hybrid superhero horror movie in some respects. So which makes sense given Doctor Strange's background, superpowers, everything. So um there are probably plot holes at this point. And then in the theater, I really didn't care. I knew it was messy. It, I, I gave it a B. And that's acknowledging, yeah, there are flaws here. But it's also very much a good time. Well, obviously, this is a, a movie that's, you know, trending in a huge box office return direction. Um, you know, how do you kind of assess Marvel now? I mean, we've gotten we've gotten through this Infinity Saga, but then we branched off into the MCU TV series, and now we're kind of kicking. I don't I don't know if you want to say it's a restart of of sort of the MCU with this movie because it's now entering into the multiverse. But how would you kind of assess where Marvel is going, or just kind of your total assessment of where they're at right now? You know, that's an interesting question because I thought about that after watching Doctor Strange. And in some respects, it feels like the newer movies after after the, the final Avengers films is concerned with tying up loose ends. You know what I mean? Right. Tying up loose characters. Tying up those, those Avengers who are still out there, if you know what I mean. Sure. So... That's that's what it feels like to me. We'll have to see when Wakanda Forever comes out. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this isn't like the end of anything, or it's probably maybe just the beginning of some stuff. But, um, you know, do you feel like there's a clear vision for the future? I mean, obviously, you you may or may not have a a future that involves Robert Downey Jr. or Iron Man who's sort of the glue of everything as far as like the leadership along with Captain America. I mean, do you feel like there's some clear vision here moving forward with this franchise, with it moving into the next phase or whatever they want to call it? No, I don't. And that's the odd part. You know, we, from, from the end of the Avengers on the audience had Thanos, you knew what was coming. There is very little indication of what's coming that I can pick up on. And I'm going to, I'll be honest with you, I'm a movie guy. I'm not a comic book guy. I knew the characters and I was interesting, interested in seeing what would happen to them cinematically. Turns out they did a great job with them. Um, so I don't know if there's a, a comic book narrative running through these films after the Avengers, 
I am, I'm not ashamed to say I'm not aware of it. But right. right now it doesn't feel like, and and maybe this is where uh, where uh, Loki comes in, and the villain from Loki eventually comes in and makes his appearance. Maybe that's what happens, but I'm not seeing it at play here. Right. Okay. Well, so overall a B for this one. I, I know there's a lot of hype for it. Um, you know, how, how do you kind of assess what this box office could mean? I mean, we've seen some big numbers here lately. The Batman has done well. Here we have a movie that's even more, maybe just as much, if not more anticipated than the Batman because it was fresh off of the heels of, of Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, do you feel like the box office is back? Do you feel like this is just a, you know, it, it's basically just this movie is going to do great, and then maybe you might get some, you know, runoff into some of these other movies. How do you feel like the box office is looking now at the in, in Hollywood? You know, I know we've talked about this with the blockbuster, you know, schedule, and that's all it is nowadays in theaters. But do you feel like the box office is back with COVID, you know, still kind of going on and popping up in spots? Uh, I think we're going to see a continued ramp up. Um, there's no reason for it anymore. I mean, even Dr. Fauci pretty much said the, the, the pandemic is over, which is probably what a lot of people needed to hear before they started venturing forth. Even with this, I think there are two variants out there that are more, more, uh, Transmission, transmissible. So, but I, I think after two years, there is just too much pent up demand, and I'm sorry, streaming just, streaming just doesn't cut it for most people, right? I believe, I, I could be wrong, and that could be a generational divide. Because it seems that people younger than, let's call it 35, are perfectly content. And 35 is my cutoff. That's a guess. Um, people who've grown up with digital technology are perfectly content to stay at home and do this. But when you see services like Netflix start to lose subscribers yeah that tells me something i mean that's 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 a red flag that should be paid attention to at bare minimum right um i realize that the other services are still gaming i know paramount plus announced they acquired 6.3 million users earlier this week for the first quarter Okay. That's great, but they're not playing in Netflix's league yet. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I mean, maybe 200 million plus users is the ceiling for 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 the ultimate. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but the only thing that's kept me out of the theaters is the pandemic. Now, they're still showing showing uh critics some people are still showing critics movies in where we're the only ones there right i was, I was one of 15 in this theater in a huge 350 seat theater right 
So obviously there's little worry there. It's going to depend on the comfort level of the audience, but I think the fact that um, there were no no more delays related to this after the last one, yeah. I think uh, the, the studios are ready to go gung-ho, and that's the indication they gave at CinemaCon yeah. last week. They're ready to just go. So we shall see. Ultimately, it's going to depend on the product. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the Batman had a good return. I mean, for a movie that was pushing three hours, you know, you're not going to get a ton of show times at a lot of theaters because three hours just eats up into that extra show time or two that you might be able to get. So, but I think, you know, with more than $750 million, you know, globally. And then of course it did really well here on HBO max when it started streaming. So, you know, there's already talks of the sequel here. So, I mean, it, you know, it seems like the box office is in good shape and Dr. Strange two probably is going to cross $200 million opening weekend and probably over a billion you would imagine here with its box office return. You know, you talk about streaming, you talk about maybe that ceiling, and I know, you know, you. we know you're a Star Trek guy that you've talked about. Oh, did you have another thought? Before? Yeah, you, it, oh. the one thing that this pandemic has done, I think is done more than anything, it's rearranged the home video model. Yeah. Instead of, of theatrical, physical, Air, on air or streaming yeah. it's theatrical streaming and it'll be physical that's yeah. what's happening with the batman yeah. it's it's 4k blu-ray release blu-ray release is still two weeks away right so right. that that's where the rearranging is i think and yeah. i think you're right that that three quarters of a billion dollars worldwide when people knew streaming was coming 45 days later tells you something right yeah oh yeah do you think the um you know the the adjustment there in the release schedule of like you said the traditional theater video and then uh at home you know with streaming or whatever do you think that's more of an indication that they think people there are those people that like to collect the physical media but do you think that's they're more geared now towards we know people want streaming options and this is it. And then it'll eventually come out on 4k or Blu-ray or whatever. But do you think that's the reason why is because people are maybe favoring streaming options ahead of physical media nowadays? Anybody who doesn't care about audio, care how good, how pure your audio is. And you can't, you can't discern between streaming and and uncompressed audio on a disc, you right. don't care. You'll watch it wherever. And if you're you've already subscribed to one of these services, why buy the disc? It'll always be there. Right. Um, I think Netflix is going to learn that the stuff that they own, they should probably start putting out on physical media, though. But um, yep. you know, someone like me, I'm until they don't make a 4K Blu-ray player, I'll be buying physical media. Right. And I realize I don't know if you've got a Best Buy near you. Yeah. I don't know what the the the, the physical media shelves in your particular Best Buy look like right now. I know that in mine 
it's new releases and very popular catalog titles. And yeah. that basically means uh, side blockbusters. That's the best way to... When, even when I say catalog titles. Yeah. You can't go in and to, to Best Buy near me and find a Casablanca. Right. You you can't find Citizen Kane. Yeah. I have to mail order that. Right. I was shocked. <clears throat> and before somebody out there screams that Singing in the Rain wasn't filmed in 4K, what does it matter? I, don't <laughs> I was shocked when I could find Singing in the Rain at my local Best Buy in 4K when it was released okay. a week ago. Right. But one thing I did notice, they only had two. Right. right. And that's that's one thing that the retailers are doing. Limited limited supply. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's uh it yeah, the Best Buy here is it's better than the one that was in Sandusky as far as, you know, physical copies go. And especially like a for their 4K selection, but um, it's still pretty bleak. And it, it is you, you are right. It you know it's really catalog titles that most people would know. You're not going to find a Citizen Kane even when Citizen Kane was released. What was it March or something or February when it was marched on you know released on 4K? It it didn't get you know the pomp and circumstance of being available in the new release selection. So um, you know it, it's it's a very interesting. The demand for physical copies don't doesn't seem to be there, but it's there enough because of the audio compression, the video compression that you get. It, it you know people don't really think about the difference because sometimes they might watch something on their phone, so they don't really think about it or care about it. But you know, if you want to sit down and watch something and it's at its peak, you know, you want to go for the you've got to go for the physical media. And look, when when I'm the Batman, for instance, even though I watch it on streaming, I've watched it. Three times on HBO Max. Okay. <laughs> but even then, I cut off my lights. Yeah. I've got a 4K television. Uh, cut off my lights. I crank up the stereo. And there is a very huge difference, even in volume level, right. to a disc and streaming. So I want to be immersed in everything. Right. And, and I have Atmos, so yeah, I'm, I'm going for that experience. Yeah, but you're right. Most people probably don't care. We'll have to talk to you when you get the 4K copy and and watch that. We'll have to give like a little uh, compare and contrast of your your thoughts on the 4K copy, hard copy versus the digital stream, and maybe you can uh, inform people out there of why it's more important to go for the the physical media because there is a difference. You know, even if you don't necessarily see it as much. The visuals, the audio is a huge difference, but even still, you get video, you know, visual differences because of the compressed file that you get on an HBO Max or a Netflix or whatever. So you're still compressing the video and the audio to fit so it's not, you know, some 80 gigabyte, you know, movie that's sitting on your streaming platform because that'd be too much for them. So Maybe we'll we'll talk about that when the Batman releases on 4K because I'm assuming you'll scoop that up. Uh, uh, yeah. you know, release. <laughs> well, we talk about streaming a lot, and I know you're you're very excited because we've talked about Star Trek. You're a Star Trek fan, and you talk about Paramount Plus gaining some new subscribers. Obviously, they've had some. You know, Halo came out in the first quarter. 
Which the isn't offense. bad, by the way. I, it's not okay. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm mildly interested in watching it, but so far I just haven't thought I'm going to watch it now. But um, talk a little bit about Star Trek. Another series is coming out, Strange New Worlds. Talk a little bit about that. Strange New Worlds. And I've, I've watched two, um, two episodes. I, I love Paramount, but they didn't send me review access until 1230 last night. Okay, wow. <laughs> and the show released on the 5th. So That's today. You can stream we're recording, yeah. yeah we're recording stream. on the 5th and it's released, yeah. You can stream episode one right now. Yeah. Um, it's a throwback. Uh, you know, if you... If you're a Star Trek fan and you've been watching Discovery, Picard, did I miss one or are those the big two? Or either they're two new animated series, yeah. you understand that they're they're heavily serialized. They're not episodic in nature at all. It's one story arc. And that irks a lot of Star Trek fans. Star Trek purists, I, I call them. There is a, a disturbance in the force, if you will. You've got Star Trek purists over here who are like very much to boldly go where no one has gone before. And you have Star Trek fans who, who I, the best way to put it, they've developed an attachment to characters. Okay. They appreciate that over there because let's face it, those characters from the original series are still the holy grail for for almost every Trek fan. But they've developed an appreciation and a, a willingness to open up to other ways of doing Trek. That's where you get your discovery. Right. That's that that's that's where you get Picard. Picard is more about the character and less about boldly going where no one has gone before. And some people love it, some people tolerate tolerate it. Some people hate it. Normally, it's the purists that hate it. Strange New Worlds is a throwback to the original series, and it takes place on the Enterprise with the the captain who ran the ship prior to Kirk, okay. Captain Christopher Pike. In this series, he's played by, by Anson Mount, who's absolutely fantastic. It's episodic in nature, like the original Star Trek series, they're not doing a serialized anything. It, it's very much grounded in original Trek. Uh, from what I can tell so far, uh, the cast has some chemistry. Mr. Spock is back, and Ethan Peck, Gregory Peck's grandson, I believe it is, wow. Atticus Finch's grandson, Wow, has nailed Spock. And he did when he... When he played the character in Star Trek Discovery. Um, they, they've, they've got the chemistry. There is one annoying character, and I'm not going to name them right now because I want to give them a fair chance. Okay. How this all plays out, I, I don't know. So far, it looks very promising. You'll see a lot of reviews out there where, where the reviewers are Proclaiming this is the best Trek in decades. Oh. And uh, I'm like, really? <laughs> it's like, okay. I, I can't get all breathless about something that's new. Because I don't know how big of a Star Trek fan you are. 
or if you are, I don't know if you watched the original series. But I mean, no, not I. I, I watched here and there. I'm not the biggest uh, Star Trek fan um, overall, but you know, I mean, I I know of it, and I know some of the the casting characters. But you know, if you if you try to give me a Star Trek quiz, I'm not going to win any prizes on that. Yeah, by the end of the, the Star Trek's three three year run, three season run, it has started to get pretty silly. Yeah. And it's the, the silly episodes are lovable simply because they're Star Trek. But the 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 heart of the series, the original series, let's call it the first season and two thirds. And and then it's you could you could see it going downhill. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm for that very reason, I'm not gonna say this is the best trek in yeah. years. Uh, with all due respect, the best Trek still is Deep, Deep Space Nine for me. Okay. And I I don't see that changing because, what is it, 27 years later, Deep Space Nine is still relevant with every theme it explored. Um, There are some very nice moments in, in, in Strange New Worlds where... They harken back to things that happened in Discovery, which is Spock's long lost sister or unknown sister, who is now captain of the, the Discovery. Uh, Christopher Pike's fate, which every Star Trek fan knows. And it was the two episodes I saw were very enjoyable, very much so. And I could appreciate them going back to their roots. I will say that I love Anson Mount's take on, on Pike. And what's weird is Christopher Pike has has really had some nice actors play that role. Um, you know, I thought Bruce Greenwood. You know who Bruce, Bruce yeah. Greenwood is? Yeah, yeah. There's an actor who's never really gotten his due. No, you're right. He's a great character actor. In everything he does. He he was Pike in, in two of three. Uh, or is it all three? I'm trying to remember. Two of three of the new movies. And he nailed the character. I love him. I really do. Ancient Mount is really on that level, yet makes, makes the character his own. So take that for what it's worth. But the character has become iconic over the years for it, it's surprising. That's the best way to put it. Okay. Well, overall, sounds like um another you know nice Star Trek feather in the cap for Paramount Plus, at least. I mean, they've definitely you can tell they've definitely decided that they're gonna invest into Star Trek for their their streaming service which is probably a wise decision not just with the potential for more movies but here with series and the animated series to try to you know really capture some of those fans and maybe new fans you know um you know i mean do you think that uh, that paramount's got a nice plan here with star trek or do you think they're handling it well with kind of throwing a lot of different things at people and then you know i think they are going to get back into the 
Chris Pine franchise, you know, movie franchise. I mean, do you feel like they're they're doing what they should be doing? Are they doing too much, too little with Star Trek? You know what? With with respect to series, you know, everybody's they're not doing 20, 23 episode seasons anymore. You know what I mean? Right. It's either it, it's ten to thirteen episodes seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah. For anything that has a chance for getting renewed, um, their goal, their stated goal, is to have some form of trek on all the time. Okay. Um, you the, like that? You well, like that important, idea? The important thing is it needs to be good trek. Right. Right. That that's the bottom line. Um, the se- the the season finale of Picard is on is streaming right now. I haven't had a chance to look at look at that. It dropped today. There's a show that, and I never thought I'd say this, got a little tedious mm. as it went along. So as long as it's quality track, quality track, sure. I'll take all the track you can give me. Sure. As long as you're hiring talented actors who who understand what it is they're involved in? Yeah, I'll I'll take that, and most Trek fans will. Right. Okay. Well, uh, what are you? What else are you streaming? Uh, I mean, what what have you been watching here lately? What the heck did I start this week? <laughs> well, I caught episode nine of of Winning Time. Yeah, which was a nice departure because they basically. They basically killed the comedy, and they played it straight. Yeah, yeah, they ramped up the drama, and it was well done. Mm-hmm. It yeah. it really was well done. Um, still haven't gotten back to to Bel Air because okay, I know Will the Will's dad episode is coming up, and I don't care how they do it. Mm. I just know it's going to affect me in a way I'm I'm not prepared to deal with. Sure. Because of because I never had a father, right? So, um, how do you uh, what do you think about winning time? You know, sort of going to this more dramatic uh, tone towards the end of the season here. Do you think <laughs> it was the right call? I mean, I I enjoyed episode nine. I thought you know, sort of you know, incorporating that drama because at the end of the day, there's there's comedy in it, but you know, it's it can be a drama it should probably be a drama with some of the things that they're discussing racism sexism you know it it seems like it it lends itself to being a little bit more on the dramatic side than the comedy side if if it's you know all the controversy associated with jerry (laughs) words blah 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 oh yeah yeah and they they did that for the sake of comedy to to add to to ramp up the comedy the problem is i really hope that what they did with these dramatic elements were very much true to the story as opposed to dramatic license because you get some great acting moments between uh, sally field Mm, yeah and and john c Riley. yeah yeah they were just they were just raw honest moments um the scene with with the actor who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the actor 
and I should know his name because he's always been a favorite, who plays uh, Spencer Haywood. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, there are some interesting dynamics going on there. Yep. Given, and I'm not, I'm trying not to give anything away, given who that character was prepared to blame yep. for, for his misfortune, and then having Kareem drop the hammer the way he did. Yep. And again, not just interesting dramatic moments, but interesting sociological moments. You, you get what I'm, I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So I I enjoyed that. It, it, it was a nice departure. You know, it's, it's funny. We've talked about Winning Time a few times now, not just your initial review, but then we also talked about it when you reviewed the uh, the Magic Johnson documentary on Apple TV+. Plus. But one of the things that we really haven't gotten into until just now is the, the performances by these actors and actresses on this show. I, I think in some ways it's it's maybe gotten lost a little bit with people because of all the drama and the Jerry West and... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson sort of speaking out against it. But, you know, John C. Riley is up to task. Sally Field, and, you know, those two, the dynamic they had in Episode 9. And then, of course, like you said, with uh, Kareem and Spencer Haywood kind of, you know, going at it in a, in a way that you didn't really expect. Um, really, I mean, some very, very fine performances. Um, Adrian Brody as Pat Riley and Jason Siegel as Paul Westhead. I mean, things are are really shaping up to be an interesting end to this season. Um, you know, obviously they've taken a lot of dramatic liberties and, you know, I should also mention Jason Clark um, as uh, Jerry West has been a lot of fun, even though Jerry West might not think that, but um, you know, I'm kind of interested to see where they go with this. I mean, you know, chronology, are they going to keep it going with the next season and the next season if they decide to do two, three seasons you know, I kind of wonder if they're going to jump ahead. I know Shaquille O'Neal is actually stumped for them to to maybe do something on uh, he and Kobe Bryant's Lakers. So I, I am kind of intrigued to see if they would ever, you know, jump ahead in the timeline or it's just going to be a one right after another kind of season here with the Los Angeles Lakers or if they jump into the showtime, you know, decade, you know, six years from now or five years from now. So I'm kind of intrigued to see where they go. Where do you think they might go with a, a season two of winning time? Well, they, my guess is the, the Showtime Lakers lasted for about nine years. Yeah. So here, here, here's what I do. You go up to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's retirement and boom. you're yeah. you, And the book about Kobe and Shaq's years was written by the same author, author okay. Jeff Perlman, and it's already been optioned. By HBO. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you know, given this one's success, it seems likely that eventually you're going to see that series. So mm-hmm. Shaq could probably quit lobbying. So <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wonder, though, if he's going to really want – I mean, I mean, obviously he's probably seen winning time. So I, I kind of wonder, though, if he's going to want the same kind of, uh, you know – treatment with taking liberties on some of the acts that happened because he might not want to see some of that stuff that they might decide to um, dramatize for the sake of getting people to watch. 
you know what? Kobe could end up getting the worst end of that because Kobe was an intense dude. That's true. Um, the name of that book was The Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the Crazy Years of the Lakers Dynasty. So okay. there you go. Same author, already optioned. All right. Well, pretty exciting stuff. Well, uh, what do you have coming up next week? I know we're now we're getting into the summer movie season, but uh, what do you have for us next week? Um, Lincoln Lawyer will go over. Okay. And even though it's summer movie season, they have pretty much cleared out for the first two weeks of uh, yeah. of Doctor Strange. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that makes sense. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna let Doctor Strange has its money because I don't I don't think uh, a remake of Firestarter is gonna do much. And that's basically it. Yeah. I know that I've been, uh, my wife and I have been going through the uh, HBO Max catalog of various true crime documentaries and various other things. That we, we binge watched The Vow, which was the uh, behind the scenes look at the uh, the sex cult, the Nexium sex cult with Allison Mack. And, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We just, uh, we just watched that. It's very, it's a mess of, in terms of, like it jumps around chronology, you know, in, a, in its chronological order, but it's really fascinating stuff to like see how this like grew and developed. And I know there's going to be a second season this year because of all the um, legal fallout with everybody involved in that cult, uh, Allison Mack included. But um, it's it's a, it's really an interesting nine episode season, and it's it's sort of messy, but it's really it grabs your attention and you, you know, we just kept wanting to watch more and more and more. And we got all nine hours of it done in like a two day span. We just kept watching and watching and watching. It was very entertaining. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> Cause you, you feel like you can't go anywhere. I know. So, yeah. Something else. We own this city. Oh yeah. 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 I do want to catch that. Do catch that. Mm -hmm. Although. You want to talk about jumping around timeline? Two thousand five to two thousand seventeen. This, okay. this and there you you can see them weaving everything together, but it's it's only two episodes in. I haven't seen the. Um, I didn't get review access. Okay. So I haven't seen it in its entirety, but you you can see them working, yeah. and one of my favorite favorite authors. His name is D. Watkins. He's a Baltimore native. He wrote episode three. Oh, okay. And for those who are intrigued by the politics and power of Baltimore from right. the wire, um, he wrote a Huffington Post story about his, and this was months ago before the, the series even came out, about his run-ins with this cop who's portrayed in We Own the City. Okay that um is pretty in interesting and intriguing again his name is d watkins i've i've bannered back and forth with him on twitter he's complicated makes no no apologies yeah well he does apologize for it but he he rose above his circumstances yeah. and He's a best-selling New York Times yeah, author, um, a college professor, 
and I think he's a, still a senior editor for Salon. Okay. So, and of course, you watch Tokyo Vice. I have not seen it yet, but I, I now that it's like got its run through, I'm gonna I'm gonna start plugging away at that. It, we're what is it? The eight episodes have got out, and yeah. that's one of those that'll do exactly what happened to you last weekend. Yeah, you start and you'll you'll pile through. Yeah, I've gotten to the point now where um, you know, we I think we we want to watch certain things, but then sometimes we're like, well, maybe we should wait until it's all out and then we can binge watch it. I know, obviously, for winning time, I haven't done that, and I've appreciated doing that. But then I'm also kind of like, well, I don't really want to start Tokyo Vice and then have to wait and then forget what, you know, maybe forget what day it comes out. Because at least with winning time, I know it's a Sunday night show. You know, I can watch it, you know, either that night or the next day or whatever. So I think I've gotten to that point now as a, as a streamer where I kind of appreciate the binge watch capabilities because it allows me to not have to, like, sit there and wait, especially if there's multiple shows that I want to watch at one time. So, um, you know, I think I'm going to do that now with Tokyo Vice. And, and I've kind of done that a little bit with the flight attendant season two, where I did enjoy season one. So I wanted to watch season two, but then I'm kind of thinking, well, if we wait a little bit, we can just binge watch it in a, you know, a week or whatever, however quick we get to it and don't have to worry about sitting and waiting. I get it. I get it. Especially on you don't strike me as a partier, so <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, man, no, not a partier, no. So you're not out on weekend nights, <laughs> not usually, no. Well, you strike me as a, a dinner and movie kind of guy, if you are. Yes, yes very much so. So, but uh, yeah, so we've we've definitely gone with the sort of the true crime type stuff lately. So um, maybe uh, maybe something more dramatic and and fictional will will whet the appetite. So. All right, George. Well, uh, we definitely appreciate it. You can follow George at by George Thomas on Twitter. You can read all of his content in the Akron Beacon Journal or at beaconjournal.com. George, as always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week about some streaming. All righty. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.